0: Now let's listen to a great program.
1: I want you to please close your eyes and as we have done in worship, let the spirit, let let it flow through you and know that every petition in this basket is representative of the lives and needs and wants of so many people. And so, I dare you to praise God already, Lord. Thank you. I praise you. You are so good. I lift you high for there is nobody greater than you. Lord, as we pray over these petitions, we already are praising you because you, Lord, don't need any sign more to give to us. We believe because you said it. Your word told us, ask and we shall receive. Seek and we shall find. Father, these petitions, Lord God, a place as a way of asking you. We trust and believe that whatever time it takes with to be fulfilled, it is enough time for us. No matter when we see it or how we see it or if we see it. Every petition written down was as if the gospels as they were written, these petitions were written. And in faith and in, in the solitude of that faith, Lord, we need not know evidence for it carries us enough as our blessed mother herself, that just let it be done, Lord, according to your word. May every petition, almighty God, glorify you and magnify you and bring you glory so that nothing is out of selfishness, as all is done, so that the kingdom of God will be built here upon earth as it is in heaven. We ask this blessing to fall upon them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Has anybody here ever heard of a yet praise? Let me tell you what a yet praise When you get excited about what God's going to do, you ought to act like you in the Superdome. Well, you know, would it be something if we cheered before they got the touchdown? Like, let's say you know the touchdown's coming and you're cheering already. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I dare you with your hands and with your voices, praise God for the petitions that will be answered by God. Somebody say hallelujah. Can you say amen? You can put your hands together and be praise Him and say it's going to be done already. Amen, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say it's going to get done. I don't know when it's going to get done but I'm praising Him already because God It's going to get done. I don't know when it will get done, but it will get done. Amen, somebody. Amen. 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 i glad I
0: broke my And we're close to
1: hearing him give his
0: speech. Okay. I want to
1: introduce him, Father Sidney Speaks. He's the pastor of St. Joseph the Worker in Morero. He's originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and his first assignment here in the Archdiocese of New Orleans was at Saint Matthew's on Jefferson Highway. But now he is now he is at Saint Joseph's a Worker. So let's all give a mighty hand. <laughs> to
0: はい。Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we say together, Hail Mary, Hail Mary full of Holy grace, praise. the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, and, and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sins, and at our the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before beginning, I, I'd like to uh, begin, first of all, with the Word of God, is that all right? Oh word of God. Amen. Something that you at Magnificat, you are living off the word of God, are you not? Your very name is the word of God itself as only the canticle of Mary is found in the great gospel of Luke. But it's the Psalm of David that brings me to mind of what this experience of giving of such a small reflection. And it says the 103rd psalm of david in the 150th psalms of david or and all the others who contributed by the hand of god that 103rd psalm says bless the lord my soul and all that is within bless his holy name bless the lord my soul and do not forget somebody say do not forget any of his benefits who pardons all your guilt who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with favor and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the Eagle amen, amen. the word of the Lord thanks be to God you know I, I was reminded of a story to help me to know not to keep you here with anything of a long, relentless sermon. It reminds us of this young boy, he was sitting next to his father in church, and it was the Sunday of Feast of Christ the King, and as he sat there and he listened relentlessly to this long sermon, he turned to his father and said, well, what else does father do? He says, <laughs> son, father, he visits the sick, he makes sure the sacraments are attended to, and he makes sure that he even has time for rest. He says, you know, this really is a hard thing, delivering the word of God. A little boy, he thought about it. He said, yeah, it was just as hard listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, oh Lord at mercy, I gotta make sure it's not hard for them to listen. I want you to get ready for a roller coaster because what when I think over what the Lord brought to me of the testimony of where God has brought us, it's like a roller coaster. Anybody remember roller coasters? Yeah. When it was slow going up the hill and it was you were anticipating getting to the top, but you knew there was gonna be a dip to follow, and then you knew after that dip another hill was coming. And so the, to look upon this journey, sisters, I say to you and brothers that there will be times where there may be a cheer. It may be a shout. It may be where we all may feel like I know in thinking over what God has revealed to me of thinking back over. Somebody say this with me, I got to think back over. <laughs> When you think about where you are, you always ought to think back. Amen, somebody. Don't forget where God has brought you from. Lord, I know that I have been guilty of the sin of so uh, into the where I'm at and where I'm going. I forget that I have forgotten what God's benefits have come to me. Now think about the, the beginning, if you will. It was a a beautiful woman named Lily, who came from a family in Baltimore sitting on the banks of the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. That she was of a fruit of a tree that started Presbyterian. Her mother, Elizabeth Waters, was working for a white woman named Miss Ames. And early, early every morning, Miss Ames would make sure that she went out to Mass. And thereby, this woman that worked for her noticed that she did not eat nothing before she went to this thing called Mass. And she asked her one day, after working for her for years, excuse me, Miss Ames, I just want to ask you, why is it that you don't eat a thing before you go out to go to service, to what you call the mass. And she said so, so simply, I can't eat nothing before Jesus. That simple statement caused Elizabeth Waters to inquire of the Catholic faith and because of that, of that uh, inspiration of the Spirit of God, that woman decided to make sure all of her children became Catholic to the very day when she was brought into the church. Actually, her youngest daughter, Lily May Waters, received her First Holy Communion as she watched her mother being received into the church. It is because of that seed that she not only carried her Catholic faith, this Lily Waters, but she met a man named Sidney. And they fell in love because, true story, she fell down in the middle of the skating rink and a young man picked her up before she hit the floor. And it was love at first rink. <laughs> And from there, as they continued, this is where the hill starts to get its feel already, that their love and their married love was great, and they had such an adorable first son.
0: (laughs) Their first little one
1: after being wedded at St. Veronica's Catholic Church, her hometown church in South Baltimore, which Certainly is not on the map of Baltimore because it's not the best neighborhood. Anyway, okay. So here they were coming from this place, both west side and south side, and they got married. And, they, and when they had their firstborn, which uh, I, I don't know if I said it again, but a wonderful baby little boy, the <laughs> seven pounds and 15 ounces they decided that in their marriage and in their starting of a family and they named him after, of course, the father of the family, that they would have a life that was great. And they would have a life that was gorgeous she, of being not only a graduate of Howard University of, of Washington, but also he being a, 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 one of the first to integrate the Plumbers Union of Baltimore and went on to be a journeyman plumber, making over. an hour You do the math, that's not a little bit of money And when they put that together Although their love Was true, they also Had to be true to themselves And one thing that was found out Almost right away Is that Lily married an alcoholic She married a man that decided that Alcohol for him Was better of a caresser Than his wife Although he loved her, he split his love many a day to what we call Bacardi and Coke. (laughs) And as this family grew, and as the reality came that there was not only an alcoholic problem, there was just the problems of raising a lot of kids. Here it was that this firstborn who thought to himself that he clearly must have been the best because God puts the best in the first. <laughs> and he was so excited uh, about how Christmases He had so many gifts that went to the top of the Christmas tree. His tree was covered with gifts. But the more and more children came the less the gifts came after a while he was given two gifts and a handshake and he was told what about your brothers and sisters he was even tempted to want his brothers and sisters killed on the very spot okay so he thought that life at the top meant that the firstborn would not only get his own room but they would all service him but what God was doing was trying to let him know, you've got to serve the rest. So as he had life at the top, he realized top meant to be at the bottom. That meant all of his clothes were worn by other people called his siblings. It was called hand downs And as he continued, and as I walked through life, and as I began to understand more and more of even what faith was about, I must admit to you, when my mother came in contact with this spirituality that was born out of an invitation to want to do something with this blessed mother, her girlfriend said, you know what, I want to invite you to something. And it was with a group that of a devotion to Our Lady, and from there, it was like a spark, and it got bigger. The flames started to burn more and more. She found herself not wanting to be away from Mass to the point where it was every day. Now, in the beginning, she would go to evening Masses, which was great, but then she did this horrific thing called going to six o'clock in the morning Masses. The reason why it was horrible because, I don't know about you, but when you're 9, 10, or 11 years old, the last thing you want to do is see a priest at 6 in the morning. (laughs) After a while, he became so boring, I snored louder than his homily. I really started to make the pew a place where I took my morning nap. Of course, my nap didn't last long because my mother made sure to hit me on my head. She abused me in church. (laughs) Because she said, Cindy, you're snoring. And your brothers and sisters want to sleep too. And I would look at them and I'd be like, this doesn't make any sense. So I asked her, why can't we just have mass on our own? She said, no, we need a priest to do it. I didn't understand. But I didn't know that God was setting me up. I remember an elderly woman asked me one day, I was 11 years old, i would never forget it. She looked at me and said, you're such a good young man. I said, thank you. She said, you could be a priest. I said, not in a million years. I remember saying it because my mother gave me a whole lecture on, first of all, don't tell little old ladies no, and two, why did I not want to be a priest? And I kept telling her, I'm so sorry, but it ain't happening. I didn't join the altar society. I barely wanted to see the altar. I hope you're not offended, Lord have mercy. I'm just being real. But then came a mysterious caller because the call was heard. The call did come. It was an experience at the age of 16 where I felt in my bone of my God talking. But to this very day, I, I cannot put together all of it to make sense. But wave your hand if you know God comes in mysterious ways. He came at 16 on a particular day and I heard the call. I heard something in me and I heard his voice. And I didn't know it was his voice but I had to stop because I was in the middle of vacuuming on a Saturday morning. And you and I know that that's when your mom made you do all your chores before you went out to play was to do the Saturday morning chores. How can God's call be over the den of a vacuum cleaner? Well, one is I would take long breaks. (laughs) She was like, how does it take somebody from 10 in the morning to 3, 3 o'clock to vacuum one floor? I'm like, well, I had to take a break. I remember how I stopped. I remembered how I, re- I was stilled by this, this call. I immediately took the call and I ignored it. <laughs> I was too in love with girls. I just couldn't. I was like, listen, that was just a figment of my imagination. I'm definitely not going to be a priest. I just heard it on that Saturday morning. I had too much pizza yesterday. <laughs> and I went to an all-boys school, a very prestigious Catholic school in Maryland and Baltimore called Mount St. Joseph High School, and and of course the call did not come Just at that moment, but it didn't leave me alone. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it was it was like it kept coming back at different times I'm like I know I know I heard that but I didn't know I didn't go to a priest I didn't ask nobody about it. It was in my prayer, but it was outside of my prayer And then no matter how many girls I looked at and I looked at a lot of them I don't want you to get all red-cheeked right now, but I looked at a lot of them. I was 16, I was 15, I was 16 and a half, 17, I'm like, oh, I wanna be married so bad tomorrow. And I knew I found my wife, she was light-eyed, oh, she had short hair, and she was five feet tall like my mother, so I felt like a giant. And I was like, could you marry me? She was like, Sydney. You haven't finished high school yet. I'm like, oh, okay. I gotta do first things first. But there was a time where, and in the midst of my junior class, they went around the room, and by that time, the call was like a beeping noise. It just got stronger and stronger, and I, I, I became restless with it. But I remember this day in class, and we were all around a the circle. There was just seventeen of us in this class, and I remember Mr. Watkins said, "So, everybody, we're gonna put you on camera. I want you to tell me what is it." That you, that you sense where, what you're going to be and do. And certainly they went around, it came to my, to my time, to my turn, and I, I, I was known not to be a shy guy. I kind of got around to school a lot, and I, I, I had a big mouth, you know, speaks, it kind of comes with the territory. And, I, and, I, and I, I stood there and it was like, so Sydney, what do you want to do? And I felt a wrestling. I felt, I felt my heart going, come on, come on, you know I heard, I heard it, and I'm like, heart, stop, shh, 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 and then, 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 my body was like, come on, come on, you know, you know what you want to do, and I'm like, um, 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 and I never forget, Mr. Watkins is like, speak, you keep saying, um, what do you want to do, and I'm like, ah, uh. and one of my classmates said, well, I think you're gonna be in church. And I'm like, no. And everybody laughed. I remember how much their laughter impacted me, and I was like, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? Why is this, this? Thing. This call is so mysterious. I don't know where to go. I don't have any priests I was close to. I would see priests. They were nice, and I would say hello at mass and at the end. But I really, really didn't have no connection to what priestly life is or about, and I really didn't care. <laughs> but God was just keep pushing. Somebody say he pushes. He don't make you, but he does a good push. Amen, somebody. He was pushing and pushing. I'm like, oh, I was pushing back. Like, no, no, no. And then in that moment, from that day, classmates started to say things to me that I did not see. It was something about being a religious with God, a prayer, and I didn't see it. I just thought that I liked people. I love being around people. I always have. I just love what it means to be with a group and getting to know each person. But they saw something, and I just didn't understand what it was. As I look back, God was speaking. It was witnessing something I didn't find out. So after three cards were sent to me on ordination day from seven of my classmates of the Sydney that they saw who was struggling and fighting. You see, I love baseball. And to the point where I wanted to be a major league baseball player. I was a fan of the great Cal Ripken Jr. And as he played, not only for the Orioles, I saw myself at Camden Yards going, I made the final catch. And so when I went to high school, I'm like, I got this, I got this, I'm going to make the team. I never made past second cuts. (laughs) And to the point where one day, the, the, the coach was like, "Sydney, you're so like." Passionate and, and everything. Like, like, like like you really are so great to be around. Won't you be a manager? I'm like, a glorified ball boy? Are you kidding me? He says, You can wear the uniform. I'm like, Okay, I'm sold.
0: <laughs>
1: so I wore the uniform and I got every fly ball and every bat. And I I thought I was living a dream. All I was was a manager. And there were other opportunities to be managers of other sports in my high school years. And I took all of them. And when I did, I didn't know what God was trying to do. Does somebody here know what I'm talking about? He was trying to set me up for a life of simply being the last guy to leave, the last guy to do, and do it, and take what it comes with it. Because I don't know if you realize by now, but there was a lot of ridicule that came with being the ball boy. First of all, people knew how much I loved the game of baseball, so every player would make sure to remind me, yeah, you never made it past second cuts. They would remind me of the fact that I'm on the team, but I'm not on the team. Particularly when I sat at the end of the bench, they would come and say, hey Speaks, maybe you'll get to the major leagues. (laughs) I didn't know that that was preparing me for a life of being in a place called service. I thought, that I was simply living out my days in high school. By the time I got to 18, really 17, the Lord, the beeping of vocational call, if you will, if you can liken it to a beep, got so loud and so much in prayer what I did know there was a priest in Baltimore, Father Henry Hughes a tremendous priest, an older priest who said to my mother without me saying nothing to him because I just thought he was an old white priest (laughs) who said I'm sorry Miss Fix, I have to tell you something and she's like what as she recounted the conversation to me "Uh, your son I believe God is calling to be a priest and he came to the house, and he was so I'm so respectful, such a great, just being a man of God, and, and we would go to McDonald's, and he always bought the same raggedy meal, the happy meal. I was I was 17 years old. He bought me a happy meal. <laughs> And they gave him the Happy Meal with me standing there. I just don't understand that to this day. That, that McDonald's has long been knocked over, but I just really want to go to the manager and go, how dare you give a priest a Happy Meals to give to me? I'm standing right there. Of course, I didn't have the guts to say, Father Hughes, I really don't want a cheeseburger and fries. And I don't want the toy. I just don't want the toy. <laughs> he thought, Jamie, he was doing me a great service here you go (laughs) of course we sat down and talked about everything but priesthood and of life and what his story was but of course we talked of God there were once a month and even with all that I was dating and I was dating and I was dating and I just didn't have any guts to tell my girlfriend anything about what was really welling up in me Come to find out, months before the revelation of my call came to be public, she dropped me. Yeah, she called me on the phone. You know, when the phone was on the wall? Yeah, she called me. And she's like, Sydney, I don't know how to say this, but we're, we're, we're really getting older. And I know we fell in love in eighth grade, but I found someone else. And so I cried for three days, and then when I finally got out of my stumper, Jesus was like, coast is clear. (laughs) When Father Hughes made his journey and brought the news that he heard from God of my vocation, something that truly affirmed what had already happened I then came to a moment to decide what am I going to do with this realization at this time of 18 years old. And so, long story short, the Josephite fathers, who here knows the Josephites, came by. Of course, many of you know them of the founders of St. Augustine High School, so many parishes here in New Orleans. But anyway, when they came to the house, guess who was drunk and high as a kite? But my father. And he sat there as Father Father Larry visited. After uh, so I had made inquiry into the Josephites, Father Hughes had suggested that I would think about them. I thought I would be a passionist because I love the passion of the Lord. And I thought I would be a Franciscan because I, I look good and brown. But, <laughs> um, you know, and then I, I realized that these Josephites were kind of sticking to me. so. We invited Father Larry to come. Father Larry was excited. Uh, he's a vocation director at that time. And, and my father's sitting here, his eyes are just rolling all over the place. Who here knows that a drunken tongue speaks us over mine? So it came a point in time with Father Larry. My mother was absolutely frivolous. She could have killed my father that day because I saw the knife in her hand, but she didn't do <laughs> nothing. And so he says, well, Mr. Speaks, what do you think of all that is happening with your son? He paused, he said, well, I wanted him to be a plumber. (laughs) And so, Father Larry says, well, Mr. Speaks, uh, God is going, uh, it looks like another way, we're going to see. And so my dad looked at me and he says, well, you won't make much money. (laughs) Of course, at that time, my world was swimming. So of course, he offered about coming to the House of Studies, which was located in a place that I thought was on the planet Mars. And that place was New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> of course, in saying, yes, after much prayer and coming here. And many of you may not know, but when coming to a new city is one thing, but going from the East Coast to the South, is pure hell. I'm just letting you know right now. <laughs> Because everything is much slower in New Orleans. People say hello slower than anybody I have ever heard in my entire life. At home, when we say hello, we say it like hello. We just say we even just say hi. In New Orleans is a conversation. I, I I I wave my hand, hey, what's going on? How are your people, bruh? I'm like, I just want to say hi. <laughs> I've never seen an elevator come alive like I did in New Orleans. Usually you push the button, you don't even say your floor, you just point to it. In New Orleans there's no such thing as pushing your own button and everybody talks like we're at a family reunion. <laughs> what floor are you going to? I'm like just two please. Two? Man what you doing on two? See I'm on one and my people we having a good time. I hope you are too. How you been? Is your life good? I'm like I just want to get to my and then when I get to my floor, there's a big ding, like, ding, like the door opens, and they're like, so, well, I was standing here, so how's it been? Where you from? I'm like, I just want to get out. I want to get off the elevator. <laughs> then I realize that everybody in New Orleans speaks while they're going to groceries. <laughs> First of all, I didn't even know what making groceries was till I came down here. I'm like, I'm not making nothing I'm going to buy. <laughs> no no we're making groceries. you're not making nothing that's already made but what I learned if coming to New Orleans and going to Xavier being in studies is that I still had to go through pain who here knows that God wasn't done with me yet
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> because he knew that I was struggling with the fact that as a young man my first thought of vocation was a cross you're not hearing what I'm saying I did not embrace it I was simply going Lord what is going on And this is where the discernment comes This is where God was getting deeper His hands was getting into me And at the same time he was mixing in The devotion to our lady He was mixing in that my, my faith Had been watered and watered and watered And nurtured and nurtured But at the same time I was dealing with That Sydney just wanted to find a wife and so when I went to Xavier, and every woman at Xavier's campus was beautiful, I made, it was eight to one, it was like no contest. As a seminarian, can I be honest with you? Okay, I gave my number away like it was a lotto ticket. Okay, I'm just... I lied about my major. I lied about why I was in New Orleans. And it was like, honey, where, where are you from, Baltimore? Why are you here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a banker. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> and I said, like, call me. Okay. And at the seminary, what we would do is, we would make pretend a priest is calling every time. <laughs> I, and I, and I, would, I would say, who's calling? He said, um, it, it sounds like the, the secretary of Monsignor Collins." said, thank you very much. I said, like, hey, honey, how you doing? <laughs> and after a while, it would, get, it would only last for about three months because the girl would realize, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you look very familiar. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. You are a seminarian? Oh, my God, I heard about people like you. I'm like, Lord, who told you? It was another girl. She said, actually, you're going to be a priest. I'm like, who? At all these students, God met Jonah Speaks. I am Jonah Speaks. I ran and ran and ran throughout the seminary, but God still had His hand on me. I tried to date while I was a seminary, and I pray to God, y'all, not scandalize over here. <laughs> I'm revealing that what God was doing was in spite of my error of thought, my behavior did not become that of a seminary all the time. I prayed, but thank God I didn't catch on fire, because Lord, I should have been somebody like, what are you doing? And the call of God was so present, but it was in the midst of real circumstances. I lived with 12 men from all across the country, and boy, we had good days, and other days, we had some bad days. I would kneel for communion every single mass. My mother had taught us that we were not to receive the Lord except on our knees. And we would make sure that as we lifted out our tongue to receive him and close our eyes, to just think that it was as if the Lord himself was placing it on our tongue. Seminarians would always make sure to make the best ridicule of kneeling speaks. And they would say, they speaks, those knees, they certainly not as big as your butt because you are just a big old butt Baltimore. They would call me big butt Baltimore. It was crazy. It was days where I thought that dealing with seminarian strife was something only that I experienced. Come to find out, seminarians to this very day deal with what's happening within the house but realizing what God was doing. And what God was certainly trying to show me is when you go through adversity, your storm is your blessing. Come on, somebody. Yeah. When God has given you a storm, because I didn't ask for the storm, but it was right there. And it was because of things that I did, and it was just dealing with being with each other, that God didn't want me to realize it until later when I reflected. And when did I reflect? Well, after the years in the House of Studies and going on to get my, my graduate Uh, theology in Washington, D.C., which was a part of the Josephite community way, of course, marching to ordination, I still was fighting. I still was thinking that God was, he was calling me and I was responding but I didn't want to deal with all parts of me. I wanted to somehow, in some way, act as though prayer would just cover it all up. Who here knows it don't work? (laughs) And I I realized that as I got to uh, the life in the city, the city of New Orleans and, and going on, it came to where God was like a weaver, and there's many threads. And all those threads, I thought some didn't mean anything, I thought some meant a lot but who here knows that people of the Magnificat were praying for me and didn't know my name? Come on somebody, I know know what I'm talking about. The weaving of prayer was happening, and it was it was calling a tapestry of my life. And in some parts really didn't seem to fit, but God was telling me I'm weaving and weaving. And just like all those threads look like different colors, it's going to come out to a quilt for me. But I'm not going to make it all fall into place. I want you to understand that your testimony only comes when you are living through your test. You are going through what I am testing you. I want to see where is your heart, even after you're ordained a priest. I was on the floor. I, I was sitting there and I was sobbing. I remember how wet the, the, the floor of the, of the church was. I was actually ordained of, of my own class because my other brothers didn't make it through novitiate at that time. And, and as I got up, I'm like, I, I, I'm sobbing with joy. I can't believe that I'm here. But now that I look back on it, God was still weaving, And I was excited. With the smells of ordination. The oil just carried me away. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a priest. I can't wait. <laughs> and I was so glad. It was as if I had had my wedding day. And my bride was a church. And I, I remember so much of the glories of those days. But I still had to deal with some parts that I pushed away. And those parts, the parts that wanted for Sydney to be attended to you know it was the words that I would receive from another namely a woman that said that I I was good and and that I was I was somebody worth spending time with that I did not think that the words of Jesus was enough I really kept looking for an audible voice from somebody that I thought was cute and lovely and nice looking. When in reality God was sitting there looking I'm sure like I thought I was enough for him. But who here is so glad that God didn't leave you? He still stayed with me In the midst of all that had happened And I don't want to sit here and have you Go through this roller coaster of my life Where things were great I was ordained a priest I was in my parish But then I was not dealing with myself And it came out What came out was my seeking Of a relationship That was so improper with a woman Yes, and when I did And looking back, I realized All I was calling out for is this place that was very present, a place that looked empty, but God was always there. It, it looked empty from the world's perspective because it wasn't a body, but I didn't realize that the Lord is saying, can you see me when I'm invisible to your hand? Can you hold me in prayer and know that even at nights when you think you're lonely and you feel like you don't have a caress, my arms are all around you didn't want to realize that until I had already had had the relationship, it had ended, and I had been uh, going through a parish I had worked in that parish. I was assistant pastor. I, then I went to another parish, been assistant pastor. And it came a day where you and I, I may have heard this before, where in 2008, it, it was a moment where I said, you know what? I'm done. Somebody say, but God wasn't. But God. See, I declared that the fight was over. But God is saying, no, actually, it's not. And I was like, I'm done. I ain't going to be no priest no more. And I told the Josephites, I said, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go right to your face. I'm leaving by next month. They're like, man, most guys sneak away in the night. you just telling us to our face. I'm like, I'm leaving. They was like, well, did God talk to you? I said, don't bring him in it. And
0: they're
1: like, oh, so you just doing this on your own. I'm like, it's none of your business. It's my call, so I'm leaving. And when I did, and when I went on to uh, declare my my myself ousting and they said well you got to get lay size and I was like okay I'm going to do that and I told the Josephites and they sent me the letter saying well you're no longer responsible for the community vows that you took now you declared it and but you're still a priest I'm like well I'm going to take care of that and many of you have already heard the, 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 the story of what really did happen that was such a powerful moment that I, I cannot really put it in the words, although I tried, I really tried to understand what was God doing, but the bottom line was this. I was in the back house in West Wego, Louisiana, of a woman that I didn't know at all. She was on Craigslist. Just to show you how, how old that was. And she was like, okay, I found her on Craigslist. She said, I got this house back here, and it was in that little back house. God spoke and when he did he said I called you it's up to you whatever you want to do with that it's your decision and when he said it it was like that call at 16 it seemed quiet but it was so real who here knows what I'm talking about it was It wasn't like a loud voice that boomed the room, but it was loud in here. I knew from hearing it, I knew God was letting me know, listen, you've left. You even have gone so far as to go to Jared. Lord have mercy. I went to Jared looking for a ring. Thanks be to God I didn't buy that ring. (laughs) Because clearly by that point, I had already searched and searched and searched. And I was right on the cusp of going back to the Metropolitan Tribunal office where I had been the day before to continue my process of writing the letter to Rome to ask that I be laicized forever. And when that call came, it was truly a moment that I knew a decision had to be made and I had to accept something. God calls people to what he wants. Can I get an amen on that? It has nothing to do with whether you want what he asks. He just wants to know, will you do what I ask you to do? Anybody here remind you of a story? Who here knows what story Reminds you of? Please raise your hand Okay, three of y'all, okay You all know the story Mary said Hey, you don't got no wine Ain't no wine here And she That's all she said, right? There ain't no wine And the Lord was like, I don't know why you're telling me Because that not nothing to do with me She don't even look to Jesus, right? She looks to this- say, I want y'all to think about something. If you're working at a, at a wedding banquet hall and some guy, some preacher asks you to fill it up with some water and tell you to take it to the head waiter, you've got to know your job is about to end. Can I get an amen in here? I don't know why you're acting like it was like, oh, it's the Lord Jesus, I know this will become why. No! They was like, water. You want me to take it to him? That's my boss. <laughs> I think our lady was trying to tell me listen the father calls people who don't want to be priests oh <laughs> can somebody say amen in here he, he, he looks for people that are like uh uh-uh, uh I don't want that he's like yup that's the one I want yeah. blessed mother was saying Sydney. Just do what he's asking you to do. It's not about whether you'll fall in love with the life of priesthood. It's not about whether it'll all or you'll feel so warm and cozy on nice on Friday when no woman's beside you. I want you to take that and I want you just to keep saying yes. I just want you to live your yes by dealing with the fact that this was not option one although your option one was Major League Baseball and trust me you don't have yeah okay yeah yeah, you wouldn't have made it you wouldn't have sniffed a minor league baseball field however I just want you to do what he tells you to do and twice God told me what he wanted and so now when that came and and, and I, I declared at that moment that, okay, yes, I cannot ignore that you called me. As much as I tried, as much as I, I went, and, I, and, and the five years I left the priesthood, oh my goodness, I tried everything, and God kept showing up. Anybody here think God shows up at IHOP? Who here thinks God shows up at IHOP? Hot line. I'm with my so-called girlfriend at this time. I'm going back a little bit. And I'm with her, and I'm, I'm a teacher, and I'm and I'm telling her about you know, I'm teaching Catholic school. And I'm in the IHOP line. Anybody here heard this? Well, please put up with me if you heard this before. I, I never forget, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm going to And I hear this little old lady. I knew it was an old voice. And she was four people behind me. She said, excuse me, young man at the cashier. The whole line looked back at her. I was like, uh, yes, ma'am, hello? She's like, baby, I don't know you. And it was a Sunday afternoon. I don't know you, but what do you do for a living? I'm thinking it's some woman from a school where I, you know, I was like, uh, I'm a teacher. She's said, like, all right now, God bless you. I said, all right, amen. Three minutes later, I'm about to put, she said, wait, 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 one minute. So people are like, Lord, what's going on here? She was loud. I was like, what, 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 are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, wait, 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 you a teacher? I said, yeah. She said, mm -mm mm-mm, honey, my spirit is being stirred right now. I said, what is going on? And the lady was like. Is she at your church? I said, No, I'm Catholic. I don't know. know she ain't Catholic. What is going on? She's like my spirit being stirred. She said, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But I, I, you ain't you ain't no teacher. I was like, I said, Excuse me, man. Do respect. I am a teacher. He said, I oh, know, baby. That's what you're doing. But you. She said, I'm so sorry, but yes, there was a light that hit. me all around is something around you. What did you do before you were a teacher? Then I got mad. <laughs> I'm like, man, you know what? Everybody's trying to wait. I said, there's no business about what I did. I said, you know, I was I was a priest at one time. Hallelujah! There it is. There it is. She said, baby, I don't know what you're doing, but you better drop everything right now. You better go back to that altar because you are a priest. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, I am humiliated at the IHOP line. Everybody's looking at me like I just stepped off a Martian ship, they're like, what is going on with this guy? I'm, I'm banging on the table, I'm like, the lady was like, sir, calm down. Are you finished paying?" I said, take the, take the mic. And I went out and my girlfriend was like, she had waited in the car. She's like, Cindy, what's wrong? I'm like, this woman, she's like, wait, wait a minute. You are really angry right now. Why? I was like, I just don't want to bring out all my business right there. She's like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. This ain't about. Something's touching a cord in you. She said, like, I thought you let go about priesthood. And I was like, I did. She said, why are you mad? I said, none of your business. <laughs> I never could let go the fact that I was called. And when I got that call from Archbishop Amon, you know, after I had went to the Josephites Immediately after the day and I asked to come back and as I've told all of you they said no The council decided no, we're not taking you back to the community that that particular council as so many Josephites still call me It's not too late. It's not too late I said yes, it is I Am a priest of the archdiocese diocese under Wallace forever but When they did, my world did crumble because my heart is, was always in love with the Josephite community. I'm always a Josephite at heart and even wearing this habit today, a habit that was explained when we received it, reveals for me how that religious life is always a part of me. But when the call came from Archbishop Amon himself while standing in the middle of a subway platform in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. I didn't understand how my roller coaster continued upon coming to New Orleans and coming back to a place that I literally grew up. My first drink was on Bourbon Street at 18 years old. (laughs) I had so many firsts. My first license was right here in New Orleans, where the test said, go down Veteran Boulevard, make a U-turn, and go back. <laughs> I said, OK. It's a very easy test. With <laughs> all the firsts that happened here and coming back, and being sent to St. Matthew the Apostle Church, a place that I'll never forget Father Joe had left and for his summer vacation and it was really hot one day and my sister back there may remember and I I, I, I very I walked to the podium and I I, I very very nicely I said listen I just want to be want to let you know an announcement I was very serious I said I, uh, due to the to the weather increase of, of temperature in the region of 107 I said I, I've already authorized uh, uh, and I, I will let the pastor know when he returns but uh, we will have uh, a pool to be built right next to my office it'll be right outside your walk and, and I said "Now nah, we will build we'll build it so please ignore the cranes that will come on Tuesday uh, it, it's just to dig up the ground and uh, so then, I, you know, the congregation, of course, is like, oh, 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 I was like, oh, yeah. Well, then a week later, Father Joe comes back. Of course, he had been back, and then suddenly, he says, now, can I see you in my office? I said, sure. He cuts the door. I said, Joe, why are you shutting the door? You know, you're short Vietnamese priest. I just love, Father Joe is like a big brother to me. And he said, Sydney, did you tell the congregation that they will build a pool? I was like, oh, I did. Just kidding. Well, Sydney, this woman who came today, she did not think you were kidding. I was like, oh. So she gave a check for $10,000 for the book. I said, oh. No, she said, and she gave details. Did you detail it? I said, what? She said, you said the, that the diving board will be. I
0: said,
1: oh. I said, I thought everybody laughed. She was not laughing, Sydney. I said, oh. I said, well, what? I'm so sorry. He said, yes, please apologize to her and hand her back her $10,000 check, please, that she gave to me this morning. All she said was, this is for the pool. <laughs> okay, so I now at all of my homilies, I make sure that I preface with, please understand that I am kidding, fictional. I'm not, okay. So coming to St. Matthews, was a joy that I could go on forever the people that touched me there receiving me acknowledging that my vocation was alive and well by their prayer even their times of affirmation but I, I found that coming back to priesthood was because I was determined to just say yes every day and then When the call came in February of 2019 from the Archbishop who told me to sit down, he had called my phone and said, please sit down wherever you are. And he pretended to tell me that July 1st of 2019 I would be uh, asked to Pastor St. Joseph, the worker church in Morero on the West Bank. I was elated, but of course I had so much uh, it was it was bittersweet. I remember how much uh, I kind I cried. I'm not going to lie to you. My mother was we were about to go to pilgrimage to Lord's France. Uh, uh, we were uh, right in New York City in Harlem, staying in a wonderful parish to get ready to go on a plane. And I just cried and cried. She was like, Oh, she's like, you so happy? And she's crying. Saying, I'm about to say, uh, and to this day I love him but I, I told him I promise I would tell you when I got to Saint Joseph and of course a great great parish let's praise the god for the west Bank hey, hey ain't nothing like the west Bank come on now and, and so I, I of course i came and, and and uh uh everybody you know was excited I was excited. I was like, I was like, this is great church. And I was like, hey, boy, are uh, you a young priest? I'm like, no, I'm old, Lord, I'm old. He's like, oh, good, okay. Well, well Father, we just want to tell you, you got some visitors. I'm like, oh, my goodness, who are they? He said, I don't know. They're in the back row, in the very back row. Now, all of you know that St. Joseph the Worker is a predominantly African-American Catholic church but been there since 1955 and so, so I would go in and there was five people from St. Matthew's. They go, like, how you
0: doing? I'm like,
1: hey, how you doing? And so the next week, praise God, they're like, Father, you have some visitors. I'm
0: like, oh my God, really? I was like, whoa, where are they? Are they from
1: Baltimore? No, no, no. I think they're from St. Matthew's. I'm like, hey, wait, wait. So it'd be two rows of uh, uh, Lily White people right in the back. I'm like, hey, I was like, oh my God. And then the next week, you know, hey, Father, I think you got some visitors. Oh my, from definitely from Sebath. I was like, woo! Oh. Woo! So about, about a whole month later, Miss Bagalow, it was a month later, and and sure enough, so mass you know, happens, and, and 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 here comes this this a good, this Caucasian woman with her three children come kind of walking up. You know, to shake hands and say, "How you doing?" He said, "How you doing?" And all of a sudden, three of my persons came came just running over. Oh my God! How Saint Matthew is doing? And it was like, she's a like, Saint Matthew. I don't even know where that church is. What? <laughs> I said, I, said, hold, I said, hold on, honey, God bless you. I said, can you stand over here? Uh, hold on one minute. I said, excuse me, Mr. Jackson, listen. Not every Caucasian. <laughs> just not every one comes from River Ridge. I didn't know if you know that or not, but please, please don't walk up to anybody that's non-white Talk about Hey, are you from St. Matthew? <laughs> this, this woman looks very horrified. <laughs> St. Matthew? So we laugh all the time about uh, the love affair. I told him at the table, I said, St. Joseph's like, okay, Father, so what kind of church are we? I said, well, you're my second lover. He's like, oh, who's your first lover? St. Matthew the Apostle. (laughs) And they're like, oh, Father. I said, no, I'm getting over my first love as best I can, but (laughs) give me some time. No, but the love that's happened, the hills and valleys, pastorship brings its own valleys. But I want to say this to you, that your fifth magnificent objective really brought tears in my soul. It said that you would imitate Mary through spiritual adoption of priests and seminarians. And that your, your prayer and your adoption of me as a priest for me as a man of God you will never know you will never understand what impact that does I'm not just speaking for myself but there were four priests that we were talking and many of you know who these priests were but we were at the gathering of priests and I mentioned the fact that I was coming to Magnificat and I remember one of them I, he, he was standing there and it looked like his mind was somewhere else I'm like hey What's wrong? He's like, I remember the lady of Magnificat. I believe it was not from this chapter, but another that always brought him a brand new rosary. And he thought at first that it was just her giving a gift. But he said that he went to go to Lord's one day and he cried and cried while saying the mass at Lourdes because he realized that every rosary was his mother in heaven saying, I got you. And it all came through a lady of Magnificat. It came through something that not only is your objective, but you do. For the one who was really the general of the Magnificat is the same one who led the army of first priests. Amen. The 12 apostles. The Lord made sure his mother did not die before she was there to comfort Peter and all of the gang, you are comforting so much all of us. We can never thank you by saying thousands of masses, but we hope that you will receive, on behalf of all the priests in New Orleans and beyond, thank you for I'm able to stand because you sit in prayer. I'm able to be half of what I am, and try not to go past an hour of a magnificent talk <laughs> because of your prayers. It is with hobbled legs that I walk today. I did not realize that the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel when he said, Lord, I won't let you go until you bless me. And the angel struck his thigh and they said he had a limp from there on. I realize that what God is letting me know, that your testimony comes from that you were born and your call came in the midst of circumstances that wouldn't seem to be ideal. And your walk was not a walk where your seminary life was absolutely stellar. Yes, you did well scholastically. Yes, you were liked by many of a brother seminarian but your walk had lots of stumbles. But it's not about that, it's not even after you were ordained and you defiantly told me no to a vocation that I gave you. But it's about that when you get up in the morning, can you be as your mother and simply give every effort to say one word, yes to my will. Because if you trust me, I will bless you. I will bless you in so many ways. I'll bless you with a beautiful group of women who will call upon you not just to speak, but to be in their midst, is to feed you and fill you and let you know that their answer affects your answer. I wanna thank you for that. I wanna let you know in closing that there was a little boy who was at mass with his mother and he was really getting tired of Mass. He said, Mom, is this Mass almost over? Because I'm feeling kind of sick. She said, well, if you're sick, then please, please, what do you have to do? I have to throw up. He said, well, go outside. Go out the doors of the church and throw up out there in the bushes. So, he got up. He left. He was back one minute later. She said, why'd you come back so fast? I thought you had to throw up outside. He says, no, mommy, I didn't have to go outside. I just went right to the vestibule and it says, a box says for the sick, and I just threw, I just threw up. <laughs> right there, it's for me.
0: <laughs>
1: so I want, I want to end by saying, please make sure that you have no boxes that says for the sick um, anywhere in the vestibule because you may find things in there that you wouldn't want to find. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let God's people say, Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.